But we've been in this series, Help, and uh, we've gone through some messages, you know, help, my attitude stinks, you know, uh, help, I'm being attacked, um, help, I feel useless was our first one. Uh, today, help, I'm afraid. Wednesday night, I stepped out on a limb and, and went into more detail and a little stronger into my own family's personal conviction, and hear me, personal conviction on why we don't celebrate Halloween, nor do we actually put anything in place of it. We, we march along until the end of uh, October's gone like it never happened. That's just how we are. So I'm not going to recap. Uh, but, you know, there's been times in the past I've, I've mentioned our personal uh, conviction, and it's not put conviction on other people, but kind of made them frustrated because we don't feel anything wrong with it, and we don't want our kids to miss out, and you're making us feel guilty. Yeah? And that wasn't the point. But, but the, the fear is what we were focused on. Our family, how it started is we don't entertain ourselves with fear. We don't watch scary movies. I don't even allow my kids to jump out around the corner and scare each other. Did that as a kid, you know. I, I don't necessarily believe that that warped us any way. But we made the stance that we will, we will not entertain fear in our home of any kind. And so it was personal conviction. But fear is a real thing. You know, we've been using this acronym to talk about how quickly things that seem natural and harmless can become very spiritual. And we use the acronym HALT. To stand for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. So last night, okay, now the, the Spanish uh, the Spanish being culture, they tend to have longer services. Did you know that? They tend to, they schedule them the same time as ours. They just happen to have longer services, sometimes triple. And so this big celebration, they had a guy that I'm not as familiar with, but he is big time in Latin America, come and sing and do a concert. It drew about... Uh, there's over 2,000 people, I would say, easy in there. Um, and uh, their church is at least five to 600. Uh, their church will seat 1,000. But it was a, a big turnout, a, a big deal. And uh, we had been there, and of course, they stand more than we do. You know, we like our comforts. They stand more. And there's times of trying to figure out why are we standing. You know, there's, there's nothing spiritual to us standing at that point. When the reading of the word, it wasn't we were singing worship. It was just, can I sit, please? You know, but I don't want to be the odd guy out, you know. Uh, we're sitting up with all the pastor in pastor groups, so we're up in front and visible. And, and uh, so yesterday, my own fault, I ate one little breakfast sandwich for breakfast, and then I got busy. I ran from, me and Nathan had to meet for just a moment before I was expected over here to do a run through the building, and uh, that took longer, so I had Jen calling saying, hey, they're expecting you over here, so uh, we <laughs> we ran, I ran over here with the trailer, and then we did our stuff, and next thing you know, it's time to home go home real quick get ready because we had to be there by 3 30 but we didn't make it till four and it started at four so we got in and fortunately they had seats for us but we went in there so i hadn't eaten i'd been running hard and then we're standing a lot and this thing's going on and what is it, about 6 30 6 30 6 45 she looks over and i'm looking up olive garden's menu I'm just confessing, it wasn't very spiritual, it wasn't necessarily <laughs> spiritual time, but I'm, she's looking at me like, really? Really? I'm like, yeah, I'm figuring out how you can do reservations on this thing early, you know? <laughs> oh, never-ending pasta, sweet, you know? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm hungry, and hu and so I'm like, I'm looking at 2,000 people here, I'm also known as craft fairs, I also know there was another thing going on in town, I'm like, we would have to wait till we get home and get some, you know, get food and all that, and I'm thinking, we gotta go close, and we're gonna fight this crowd. So I, I finally, when I knew that, I, I kind of from being around the culture, I knew, okay, things are probably wrapping up in the next 10, 15 minutes, and there's nothing big happening at the end. So um, it was pretty much concert time at the end. And I leaned over, so I'm going to step out with Lily and give me about five, 10 minutes, or give me about five minutes so it doesn't mean like we're all, and then you and the boys come out. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being real, y'all have done that, right? We're making the restroom break, right? <laughs> Everybody else come. So it's not like, oh, that whole family got out left. I wonder if they got mad. So uh, we, <laughs> I have been preaching before. I've been preaching before where people didn't tell me they had to leave early and other people didn't know other people were leaving early. I was preaching one time when at least three of our families got up and left, and I had to th live through that first couple of days of wondering what I said and hammering myself for what I could have said. So it is sometimes a big deal for the speaker if you get numerous people walking out at the same time. And so uh, we get done. I got to hurry because I got a lot to cover. But um, so we, we get outside and then I'm feeling guilty. I was like, maybe I should step in, just make sure it's about to close. And, and I get ourselves on the wait list. It says 25, 30 minutes. I'm like, sweet, we're beating the crowd. And uh, we get over there and we've waited the 25 minutes. 
and still no seat. And we're watching people walk in. You don't know if they were on the early wait list, but it just starts seeming like unfair, right? I didn't see those people when we got here, but they're sitting first, you know, and this kind of thing. And so 45 minutes goes by. And so I'm getting up and, and we're getting hangry. We were hungry, now we're angry, now we're hangry. And uh, kids and Caleb's got his head laying across the door, uh, door frame and, you know, Lily's sitting on Jen's lap and we're all crowded in and I go up and check several times and finally I'm like, hey, listen, folks, we've been here an hour, you know. And then some other a special uh, visitor from the deal came in that I knew, uh, Sister Janie Weed, that had really started a lot of the Hispanic works in Arkansas. And she comes in and they're like, no, we're not waiting. They go to Red Lobster and... Anyway, by the time we sat down, the tension was so thick at the table. The kids sat down, and when they started to kind of hem home about their order, just like Jen and I, like, order. <laughs> just pick something <laughs> so we can get our food. And, you know, the deal is, is that is very natural, right? I shouldn't have skipped the meals. It was just a natural thing, no big deal. We were like, well, that's the way it is. Why are you making such a big deal about it? But we were starting to get angry with each other, our family. Nobody had done that to us. We had... We should have at some point made a break and said, let's go home, but we just couldn't. You never know. They could call us next, right? And so we often will take these things that are in the natural and make them like they're nothing, but they can have spiritual impacts. You have to be able to take care of yourself eating, um, being lonely. Loneliness can, can drive many problems spiritually. You can, you can end up being very uh, uh, hard to get along with just because you are you're lonely and you know it, but you're not doing anything to, to give that to the Lord or, or being tired. I have a video I want to play, if we can take the lights down. And, and it's a little bit long, but it, it plays into our message. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C- come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh, very alive in a box. Yes, yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh no, no, no. We don't. We don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And, uh, and let let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I um, I charge five dollars for the for the first five minutes, and and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell what? me. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop it! Stop it! Yes. S T O P. New word. IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop 
it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop it. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been... It's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Well, I, I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't, I don't make change. Then I, I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> Whew, uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it. <laughs> Don't, don't do that. But I'm, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me fatty. No, no, no. No, we, we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, just stop it. But what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! You, you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, then stop it. <laughs> Don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! <laughs> how, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook. Stop it! Stop it! You stop it! What's, what's the problem, Kathy? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And, and, you, and you, don't, you don't like that? No, I don't. So you think we're, we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you ten words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Here are the ten words. Stop it, or I'll bury you alive in a box. All right. Well, we don't watch a lot of TV during services, and I know that was a little longer. But, um, you know, uh, in this day, in this climate of our culture, I just figured, you know, if I have any first-time visitors today, I'm just wondering if I'll get an a email about the insensitivity to people with these problems. So we're not picking at that. But it, it, is, um, it is amazing how fear can impact us. And fear is another foothold of the enemy. It really is. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for, the, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So what do you think in that, in that scripture verse are the combatants to fear that are listed there? Power and love and of a sound mind. So, the, the, so love defeats fear. The power of God defeats fear. He's given us a sound mind so that we will not fear. But my question for you today, what are you afraid of? People have a lot of different phobias. I don't know if you're aware of how there's, there's hundreds and probably thousands of them. We couldn't go through them. But uh, pelophobia, uh, the fear of bald people. There are people who are afraid of bald people. Uh, <laughs> and it's probably making the other people that are bald self-conscious that they don't have hair because they're getting uh, stared at. Uh, osmophobia, the fear of body odor. I have a little bit of that. Um, Alcatrophobia, the fear of chickens. Fear of chickens. Uh, Pinthrophobia, the fear of your mother-in-law. I didn't know that that was a phobia. Um, Triscodelophobia, the fear of number 13. Some people won't stay in a room, number 13. Some superstitious, some actually have a phobia. Rithrophobia, fear of getting wrinkles. I have, a, I have some of that too. 
balding fear. I have a little bit of fear of that. Some fears of ira- some are, are irrational though. We won't go through anymore. The, 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 some of them are irrational, but there are some and other fears that are normal and natural and common because of our fallen nature. Um, you know, this isn't in my notes, but I, I actually I'm trying to think where we just saw it that there was a oh we were watching a, a guy who is doing one of these TED talks and he was a hypnotist and trying to prove that hypnotism was real. And he, they show the video, if you've ever seen it, where cats, they throw a cucumber next to a cat's bowl when he's not paying attention, the cat sees it and like jumps. Did you know cats are naturally afraid of cucumbers? Yeah, they show, I, I didn't know this, but it's a phenomenon that they put down. And, and his point is that there are some experience, there's some experiences we have that are actually passed down, psychologically passed down. And that the cucumber resembles a snake, which cats have the natural fear of. And so it, it's, it translates to them. So um, I don't know. I haven't tried it. I'm allergic to cats, so we don't have one. So if you have a cat and you, you want to try it out, I guess get a cucumber and see. But, but some of you fear the future. You aren't sure of what God's ultimate plan is. I can imagine our viewers that, that uh, you know, I, I don't want to know or know the financial situation in which uh, you're able to do what you're doing, but I'm sure there's some of our where it's literally like week by week. And, and we're afraid, what if my rig breaks down? I can't afford another one. Or I don't have, you know, uh, a maintenance expense for this. But, but those fears, some fear being alone. Some of you fear taking a step of obedience to God. Well, if that doesn't work, I have to constantly, I have a phobia or fear of something happening to my family, to my wife and kids. And, and uh, everybody can say, yeah, I have that phobia too. No, I mean, it, it can be paralyzing for me. Um, you know, I, I, I know that they aren't always comfortably sharing, but I try to live, right? We're walking life together, and I, I'm not going to try to project you that I don't have issues. Um, but, you know, right now, uh, we're dealing with something where I have to determine, is God telling me to be, have caution about a trip, or is that my phobia? And that's where it gets really hard of knowing what is maybe the Holy Spirit, right? Because we believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us, warns us, guides us. What's the Holy Spirit and what's me? Or what's the Holy Spirit and what's the enemy? You, you know, we, we say, well, it's easy. You just line up. It lines up with God's word. That's not always that easy, is it? One of the things I fear is doing a, a bad job of parenting my kids or, or doing a bad job of being a husband. I'm aware of, especially in ministry, how small things can have such a huge impact on my kids because of ministry. I remember the pressures that people in the church put on me about being a better example because I was a pastor's kid, as a young kid, and I got to the point where I stood on the phone and broke my mom's heart one time and said, I'll never step foot in church again. I believe in God, but I'm done with church people. And I totally left the church. And, and that's something common we know happens with pastor kids. But, you know, I remember the first time, it was a long time, but I remember someone finally, I heard them say, I was over in another area, I heard them say, you shouldn't be doing that, you're the pastor's kids. Whew, talk about, right, those past experiences that did harm to us. I guarantee you there's a meeting real quick. It's like, you can say to my kids, you shouldn't be doing that. You can tell them, I'm going to tell your dad, mom. Or, you know, the other kids aren't doing that. But don't use my position as a threat, you know, and so, uh, so we have these fears, you know, I'm uh, so afraid, I don't want them to go down that path I did, I don't want them to have to find out the hard way what that, you know, allowing the enemy to get a foothold. One of the things I fear uh, is doing that bad, doing bad job as a, as a husband, parent, um, you know, things like, do we punish enough? Do we not punish, uh, we punish too much? You know, we have a lot of people who act as grandparents or kids say, oh, they're just kids or you're being too hard on them. But, but then again, they'll turn around and say, your kids are so good. Well, how do they get that way? Well, you know, we don't know. How much are we putting on too strong? How much are we not enough? All those are, are natural fears. Are our priorities in life conducive to raising healthy, spiritual, confident, yet humble kids to be amazing adults? I've had some amazing talks with my boys and when the Holy Spirit's lit, lit up and, and boys right when I've said, you know, the, the, the most power you can have over any superhero you've seen is have the strength to crush people yet the humility and the love to be compassionate and to lift them up and encourage them. 
you know, we, we watch the movies, the military movies. It's, it's great to feel like I'm the guy that God could send in and I could just blast them all, right? All the evil, and it's gone. It's another thing to be able to, to reach down to people who are hurting and broken and to lift them up. I remember when Caleb and Colton were little, we have this video where we got into the name calling and the fighting, and we have this video where one of them <laughs> smacks the other one in the face, which we got onto, but uh, called a name. I remember another time I heard one of them call the other one an idiot. I about panicked. Like, have they heard me say that? Where did they get that? And I kind of just passed it off as it must have been somebody else's kids in the church taught them it, you know. So we think it happened in the nursery or it happened in the toddler room. <laughs> Um, we haven't had a lot of deacons with kids their age throughout the course, so I can't blame on deacons' kids here. But, but I look at the, my kids every day and uh, experience the weight of responsibility to raise them right. And I mean, that's just the story of their young ages. What they're they're twelve now, and you know, going to hit thirteen in June. Uh, going to be teenagers. What is what when they're thirteen, or when they're twenty, or when they're thirty-four, or thirty-five, and on? But I've got some encouragement this morning from the Word of God. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love of sound mind. God gives us the encouragement that we don't have to accept that fear. We don't have to accept it as normal, as that's just the way it is. But we can say the Word of God has said, I can have the strength to not have that fear. We all have this in common. No matter how big or strong you are, there is something you fear. In the last several years, our world has dramatically changed, and with those changes come new fears. I, I'm a little bit of a YouTube junkie. I don't have a lot of time on my hands right now to watch. We don't have cable or whatever. We have internet, but we have Netflix or direct TV thing. And, and on YouTube, I'll watch, I'm not a big political person, but I'll watch the, I've gotten fascinated lately with this guy, Louder, Louder with Crowder. Anybody ever heard of him? He's kind of a uh, has his own show host, but I think he's been in like on CNN before and all. He's had uh, some roles, but he's very conservative. But he goes on college campuses and has these one-on-one debates. He'll put a sign out there. I mentioned this previous sermon. It says something like, um, uh, "What's one of the ones he says? Uh, oh, uh, there is no such thing as white privilege or something like that." And he'll put that out there. And his goal is not to cause necessarily a, a fight, but to sit and 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 talk and discuss, right? But invariably, you know what's going to happen. I mean, mob grows. And the climate and temperament right now, it's not debate. You, they have to pat people down. When you watch those, they pat them down for weapons before he sits down with them on college campuses. You can't just disagree. You can't just agree to disagree anymore, right? It, it's an it's a all-out war. I mean, we fear, we still can fear terrorist attacks, even though you don't hear as much about it until something happens, but uh, you don't hear as much about ISIS on the news as, as we did before. Uh, we fear losing someone we love. We fear financial ruin. Whether we want to admit it or not, we all face the fear. And it can be horribly destructive in our lives. It can be paralyzing. I know that I went through about, uh, while I was pastoring, where uh, the day off we'd take, I wanted to just sit in a chair, stare out the window, and not have any conversation with my kids or anything. I just wanted to hide. I wanted to hide in a hole. I didn't want to go out in the outside world. I, I would be in the foyer, and when we when at a time when, and it still happens a couple Sundays ago where it looked like kids' church had exploded, and the adults were trying to find out where they're supposed to go, right? I mean, there's just kids everywhere in the foyer, and I started feeling panicky, you know? Uh, and, and, and the Lord... Uh, the Lord help me, but we always don't want to admit it, but fear paralyzes potential. And so I want to look this morning uh, at consequences of fear, and then we're going to look at uh, the solutions or what God's Word says. But number one, fear paralyzes potential. And here's the thing, you can repetitively say something that you're fearful about, and literally, I don't believe, like some do, you speak things in existence, I just believe that that the things we say, our words are powerful, our tongue is powerful, right? The Word of God says that. And so uh, it's not that I literally can create something with my words, but I can perpetuate something that God wants to remove from my life just from continually repeating about it. I may be fearful of something, but the more I talk about it, the worse it gets. The more I grind into the fact that it's there and, it's, and uh, I accept it. 
but it caused us to miss opportunities. What have you always dreamed of doing but were afraid to try? You know, and some of that changes with age, right? I've got this picture of me that looks like an ant on a 300-foot cliff uh, at the Buffalo River going front down Australian-style, uh, basically repelling, almost fast-roping down that. I look at that and it's like, man, that was crazy. What was I thinking? One trip and it's all over. You know, I, I, I'd do the same thing my dad did when he saw that. When my kids were doing it, I was like, I've, I've raised kids that have no brain, right? <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Stop it, right? But what happens is fear paralyzes potential. Fear often keeps you from being all God wants you to be and doing all God wants you to do. And fear harms your effectiveness. The second thing is fear ruins relationships. Fear ruins relationships. Man's oldest problem is fear. It dates all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We see it there in Genesis 3.10. Adam says, I was afraid and I hid from you. Adam was hiding in fear. Fear caused us to cover up. Fear caused us to wear masks. Not to be ourselves. It's one of the greatest blocks to intimacy in marriage, a friendship, or in any relationship. Fear is paralyzing. Why am I afraid to tell you all about who I am? Because if you know who I really am, you may not like me anymore. I remember because I'd ran from the Lord and because I'd lived like the devil for some years that when Jen met me, I remember having the conversation before, after we were engaged. I said, before you marry me, this, you need to know what you're getting and how afraid I was of how she'd respond. How many times have you heard, I'm, I'm really like him but not willing to take a chance I'm afraid I might get hurt again. Fearful people cannot effectively give love or receive love. And, and, and that's, that's the truth of it. The thing is, is, those fears keep us from effectively receiving love or giving love. I, I've talked to pastors, and I understand how that is. I've talked to a pastor before that he said, you know, I have a hard time really loving my people because I've been hurt so much that I'm just waiting for the next time for them to hurt me. That fear of just being hurt. Thirdly, fear hinders happiness. Proverbs 12.25 says, Worry can rob you of happiness. David said, I'm worn out by my worries. Have you ever been worn out by your worries? Have you ever worried about something so much, one particular thing you just did for your mind, like, I'm, I'm so tired of it, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I just don't care anymore. I'm so, I'm so tired of worrying about this one thing that, listen, if everything falls apart, oh well, at least I'm not worried about it anymore. It's draining. Fears are like bad movies that we replay over and over again. It, it makes us miserable and destroys our happiness. Um, anybody ever see the movie uh, Groundhog Day? Where he wakes up every day, he's so, I can't remember the whole story, but he wakes up one day and he relives the same day basically every day, every day, every day. And that's what fear kind of does. It's like we, walk, we wake up and we're reliving the same thing over and over. It's hard to be happy in life when you're afraid of death. It's hard to be happy in your career when you fear failure. Some people won't be able to travel to experience new places and see things before they die because they're afraid they will die on the plane or the boat. We had this discussion because of my fear, my protect, there's a protectiveness, but it's a phobia almost. We were talking about when we take a sabbatical down the road, our kids have never been on a cruise, we've been on a cruise, we won one for free, a, a really nice seven-day cruise with everything included uh, through a health contest one time in my life. And so we went, and we're like, the kids would just be blown away, you know, to go. And so we're like, well, you know, whether we spend the try to spend money on that or not, but then I was like, you know, I remember that video I watched where the ship tipped over and people drowned. And, you know, I could take care of you and me. But when I got five of us, you know, to get to, get to keep safe, maybe if I could pack some flotation devices in our deal. And then I'd have to have some kind of, you know, scuba gear, you know, if we're underwater, you know. <laughs> you, you watch this thing we watch, right? And we laugh because it seems ridiculous. But doesn't our mind sometimes do those ridiculous things like that? 
Fear hinders happiness. The bottom line is fear is a tool of our enemy, Satan. And, and my Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and sound mind. So fear is bad. Fear doesn't come from God. We shouldn't live in fear. And that sounds all wonderful, right? Stop it. Just stop it. should be that easy. But what do we do? Well, this morning I want to look at the story of a guy in the Bible who had every reason to fear. And I want to look at God's response to him from this passage, and we'll learn God's response to our fear. It's real easy for to read the Word of God and to think of Moses or someone else and just put them as they're just totally different than me. But listen, these, these things we're talking about are age-old. They're from the garden to now. And when you hear this discor- these discourses between God and men, you, you should put yourself in that same place. Say, when I feel these things that I'm reading of, this is how God is responding to me. You know, who, who wouldn't like to hear an audible voice of God all the time, right? Wouldn't you love it if he just spoke audibly to you? But he does through his word because when you read these things, you know you can connect and know I've had those feelings and how he responds to them. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so what he says there is what he says to you. He doesn't look at you differently than in Moses or anyone else. You're his child. He wants to speak to you. Deuteronomy 34, chapter 34, verse 5. I also want to look at Joshua 1.18, but Deuteronomy 34, verse 5, and Joshua 1.18. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was the one... Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Verse 9, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. You want to, if you're frustrated with the way the generations are coming up in the church and what's happening to them, what are you passing on? Are you passing on your fears? Are you passing on your, are you passing on how things used to be and how it's so bad now? Are you passing on all your negativity to the generations coming up? Are you speaking health, life, vitality into the young lives? Now, now listen, um, Depending on the age group that we have in any service, average age group, uh, this could step on toes more than anything. But listen, I have grown up mostly in churches with older generations. In fact, I, I've joked before about we could never take family vacation because somebody died every time. We turn around and go back and dad had to do the funeral. Like we'd be on the way, but it'd get canceled. Maybe not every time. It felt like every time. Our vacations were general counsel, which wasn't a vacation except for kids. We got kids counseled. But now that I've been to those ministers' meetings, I realize that is not vacation for the minister um you're more tired than ever but but i understand but i've also seen the good the bad and the ugly when it comes to those who have walked the walk and then what they start passing down i've heard the ones that complain about everything pick apart everything critical of everything all they're doing is look around for something that they can pick at and what and and then they want to complain about what happens with the young people coming up what they're doing well think about what you're doing you're doing everything opposite of what God has told you in his word to do, and you're expecting a different result? Isn't that the definition of insanity? Is when you keep doing the same thing that you've always done, expecting a different result? You want these young people to take, take the church and run with it? Then you've got to speak life. And you've got to speak the, the truth of God's word, but you've got to speak life and speak... Um, you don't want to instill more fear in them. Tell all your horror stories about how bad church has been, where you've been. And let those little ears overhear that. And, and then wonder why that they're fearful about taking a lead in the church. Verse 10, but since there, was not, that there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, before Pharaoh, before all his servants and all his land, and by all the mighty power and the great terror which Moses, which Moses performed in the sight of Israel. The question is, would you like to be, how would you like to be like Joshua? 
How would you like to follow Moses after those things being said of him, of Moses? Everybody looked at Moses, and Joshua comes in. He's not, he's not a Moses. Moses went up on the mountain, met with God, and came back with the Ten Commandments. Moses hit a rock with a stick, and water came out of it uh, for the thirsty Israelites. Moses stretched out his hand, and God parted the water so Israelites could escape Pharaoh and his army. Moses could be a tough act to follow, wouldn't you say? I've lived that just a little, following Pastor Jim and Pastor Roger. And Pastor Jim dying, we almost memorialize this church and crystallize it you know, in a glass case as Pastor Jim's church. Joshua 1, 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you all, you and all these people, to the land in which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. But I'm giving to them, not Joshua's, not named as Joshua's land. I'm giving to them. You lead them to where I'm giving them, what I'm giving them. But Joshua was God's man for the job. Even though he was God's man, the job was still pretty intimidating because you know how church people are, right? You know that, like, that's not how Moses would have done it. You know, the poor young guy that follows the the tenured, long-term, rock-solid pastor, right? That's not how he would have done it. Of course, don't usually say that to the pastor. You say it to each other, right? That's not how they would have done it. Here's what I think. Here's what I think Joshua was going through. Here's what his fears sounded like. I'm not good enough. Verse 10, since then no prophet has risen like uh, in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. This is in the word of God. This is permanent. Number two, I think he was like, I'm not strong enough. Verse 12, for no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. If it wasn't enough that Moses had a face-to-face relationship with God, Moses also demonstrated mighty power and performed awesome, awesome deeds all at the age of 120. See, I think, you know, to follow a 120-year-old leader, you'd expect him to forget things, to ramble, maybe to generally be weak, and everybody's like, well, I hope he gets it pretty soon that he needs to step down with the next guy. That wasn't the case. Verse 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Joshua had to be thinking, I'm not strong enough for this job. Hey, God, pick somebody else. Find another Moses. Third thing I think he was saying is, I'm not ready. Joshua 1.1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Mo- Joshua had to be thinking, wait, I can't do this. The guy who served for decades is dead. I was just an aide. I'm not qualified. I'm not ready. I've got a long beard. I've got beads in it. I'm riding around doing biker things. These people aren't bikers. They're not going to elect me. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I messed up so much. I got kicked out of Bible college and let back in. I've got a, a checkered past. I can't do this. I'm coming into this late in the game when all my my peers that left Bible college are now pastoring these big churches, some of them mega churches. Now I'm going to hear them speak to mentor me. Just did recently. A guy I went to Bible college with went to church camp in Arkansas. 1,500 people in his church. They're about to give a million dollars a year to missions. They finally got to the point it's going to average a million a year. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm starting too late. I don't have enough money. I'm emotionally weak. I've got an ugly truck. Nobody would want to ride into any pastor's meeting. I've got enough seats, but nobody wants them. (laughs) Except my dog and my kids. My wife will ride with me. God said, stop it. God says to him, stop it. He says to us, stop it. Here, I want to I want to quickly give you eight reassuring trust, uh, uh, truths about how God works. And this, and this is where our hope is. This is what the Word of God tells us. When, when we're doing that, God is sitting there, like in that video. He says, uh, has anybody ever tried to bury you in a box? I think I stopped that one. No? Why are you messing up your relationships? I'm putting great people around you. I've given you all the keys to how to run them. Stop it! Right? 
Here's number one. God still has a plan. God still has a plan. God says, Joshua, I understand your fears. I know Moses is gone, but I still have a plan. You don't have to be Moses. You're Joshua. And I took Moses home, and now it's your turn. Second, keep moving forward. God says to Joshua, we aren't going to sit here. Let's go get ready to cross the Jordan. Don't let fear paralyze you. Keep moving forward. It, it, says, it says here in verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, and I'm sorry, I probably missed my scripture reference there. Every place that the sole of your foot will, will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness, verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. I remember when I was told that I was to be the next pastor of New Song, and nobody else knew it but me and my wife and Pastor Roger and Sharon. I remember going and uh, walking uh, around, I think they had a farmer's market or something going on or uh, an event for the city around the square, and we also had been down to Bentonville Square. I remember the thought kept coming, the scripture kept coming back to my mind. Everywhere you step your foot, I'm going to give you. Everywhere you step your foot, I'm going to give you. And I remember feeling so charged up about that, not in a, like it's mine, but just the fact that I was going to get to be used as a vessel to reach this area, and we got churches on every corner. Why would God say that to me? Well, I think he's saying it to a lot of pastors. It's just who will step up to the plate, right? I think it's offered to everyone who he has placed it's just whether they'll follow through. And so maybe he is saying it to 100 pastors in this area. I just don't know if all of them are stepping on the plate. But if he says it to you, you can't worry about whether he said it to Moses or who he said it to. This is the now. And Proverbs says, don't, don't, uh, don't focus on the good old days, for that's foolishness, right? Then we know the scriptures. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Uh, he'll take care of you. So he wants you to be in the now, hearing his voice now. It's just like the military. Go with your last orders, right? Go with your last orders. Number three, I will provide for you. God says, move forward in faith and not fear. Verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That means that when you get in church and if a pastor and a, a leader or you know a teacher or a women's group leader and someone comes in and they decide that they're going to try to turn the trajectory of how that's going even though God's given you vision and spoke to you clear about it, stand strong, God will remove them. There's sometimes I have to wait out, wait out someone who comes in and decides they're going to make new song what they think it should be when God spoke clear to me. I just have to wait it out sometimes, pray through it because I'm certain of what he's told me so I have to just stand strong. God will remove them. Or, he'll, or, or if they'll allow him, he'll soften the heart and they'll come in and they'll, they'll get in line with what he's got going on. Every church doesn't have the same, the same vision. God's not giving them the same vision. They don't all have the exact same mission. We all have the Great Commission as our over-encompassing mission, but everyone has to do it different. Otherwise, every church would paint their church green and gray. Every church would have glass in the cabinets, right? <laughs> I mean, we could point all day long to all the things about why, 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 but you have to just know if God's told you something to do it. He gives you that vision. And it may be a building. It may be how a ministry is supposed to play out. It may be who's supposed to do what. God's had me chose some very, what I would think in the natural, very unlikely people for roles that I feel like that's who, who God wanted for the time. But you have to know and you have to stick to it. And he'll provide. He'll provide what is needed if you'll listen. Number four, I will protect you. I will protect you. It's God's promise to Joshua and God's promise to us. He, will, he is our protector. Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I don't believe in psychology to prove out God's word. Right, I believe God's word to 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 va uh, validate if they can psychology. Right, but listen, when you read this, it's like the things we fear. Well, what if I'm don't have clothes? What if I'm naked? What if I'm sick? What if I'm this and that? What's the other alternative? You do it without God, and guess what? You're still going to have sickness, nakedness, death. Clothes. You can do it with Him or without Him. Either way, this this life is not promised to be easy. Right. 
You're not promised over a certain amount of years. You're not promised all the time perfect health. Job is an example, right? Oh, well, eventually. Yeah, but what about when you're in the heat of it? You got someone saying, this isn't God's will. You shouldn't be sick. You shouldn't be scraping boils. That's not his will. You know, there's sin in your life. Or you're not trusting him enough. I imagine Job had those kind of voices. Job had to say, you know what? In sickness or in health, better for richer or for poor. Right? This is the marriage, the marriage supper of the Lamb's coming. I'm the bride of Christ. And so, listen, good, bad, or ugly, I'm in it. If I'm scraping boils, if I'm poor, I'm broke, if I'm in Africa with my belly swollen and flies all over me and I, I barely get enough food or water, then if I can still have a relationship with Jesus, that's all I need because I'm just an alien passing through. This is temporary. I will protect you. I will provide. Number five, I will be with you. That's a powerful promise. I will be with you. That's the main thing of all these. That's the main thing. I'll be with you. You're not alone in this. We talked about halt, right? Hungry, angry, tired, lonely. When you feel lonely, remember, you're not alone. And in Hebrews 13, 5, and 6, God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can they do to me? I, I remember the piece that I received recently that, that I was struggling. You know, we had some things with the building that, man, if, if this goes wrong and the inspector picks up this, this could be more money or more than we can have. This could be too much. I can't, I can't, I can't. And then finally I said, you know what? And my wife said, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm tired. And I've done all I can do. I can't say that I couldn't have done better in some instances. I just know at this point I've done all I can do. I've done my best. I've given everything I could to the Lord. And it's his church. And no matter what they bring at us, we'll complete, we'll get in. And that, that right there, my friends, that was, that was more than you can imagine that filled my cup because I had hit some points where it was, I was dangerously to that point of like, I can't do this anymore. I'll be with you. God is with me and God will protect me. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. For to, to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Number 6, I keep my promises, God says. He said, I will give you this land. I'm going to give it to you. Why can't you be strong and courageous? I've already promised it to you, so it's yours. So when you're facing fear, remember this. God keeps his promise. When you're sick, God's promise is is I am the Lord who heals you, Exodus 15, 26. When you're lonely, God promises, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. When you need wisdom and direction, God promises, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives all liberty and it will be given to him, James 1, 5. When you need finances, God promises, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches, riches and glory by Christ Jesus Philippians 4.19. When you're grieving, God promises the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to comfort all who mourn. Isaiah 61, 1-2. When you're troubled, God promises, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. John 14.27. And finally, when you feel inadequate, when you feel inadequate, whatever it is, God promises, in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge, Proverbs 14, 26. So you can overcome fear. Number seven, study my word. He says, God tells Joshua, the key to your prosperity and success is my word. And number eight, and finally, I'm going to say I'll be with you again. I know that was already in there, but I will be with you. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is wherever you go. I'll be with you. I know that was point five. I know I'm repeating myself, but God repeats it. God repeats it. God says it again. God knows our human nature is to forget those things that are very, very important. And remember, I did say that's the most important. That's the main thing, that he is with you. 
Verse 10, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross this Jordan to go into it and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And I want you to hear, way to go, Joshua. You didn't fear. You didn't, you didn't let fear stop you. Verse 16, so they answered Joshua, saying, All that you commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Verse 17, just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he is with Moses. Verse 18, whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. God's saying, listen, everyone who is for me will be for you because you're my man. And if they aren't, I'll take care of it. And here's the rest of the story. They conquered the promised land. Joshua, who's probably afraid, I'm not good enough. I'm not Moses. But God fulfilled his promise for the people. It wasn't just, it wasn't just for Joshua, it was for the people. So as in the video, and he said, you know, write these last ten words down. I'm not giving you those words again. Write down your number one fear, and in response to that fear, God says to you this morning, I still have a plan. Keep moving forward. I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will be with you. I keep my promises. Study my word. Fear not. Again, I say, I will be with you. And that's what God says. He doesn't say, just stop it. He says much more than that. He says, I will be with you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word and for your promises that we're never alone. And that, God, your provision, your protection, your guidance, your voice, everything that we need, Lord, to, to combat the fears the enemy would throw our way, you have provided. You have put in your word. You've given this discourse between you and Joshua, and Lord, about Moses. And so we can see, Lord, when we feel like we're inadequate, we're not measuring up to those people that have gone before us, Lord. You say, it doesn't matter. This is what I say to you. Be strong and courageous. I'm with you. And so, Lord, we resolve today in our hearts, we make a commitment to you because of your word. God, we will be strong and courageous, and we will not back down when the enemy throws fear in our path. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, and God bless you. We can't wait to see you Wednesday night, 630.